Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is John 7, verses 37 to 39. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So, if you have children, make sure they're listening. And then we'll go to the sermon. And so let's hear the reading of John 7, 37 to 39. John 7 from verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of our God. Now kids, kids, you want to come on down the front? Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You look like you've had a great morning already, Josiah. Loving the face mask. All right. Now, I'm just waiting for Hannah to get back with a couple of my props. Okay, because Beck was a little bit disorganised this morning. It's been a busy morning already. Now, what do we remember happened at the very first Christmas? Jesus was born. That's exactly right. And there are lots of different people we meet in the Christmas story, aren't there? So we start off with a lady called Mary. Do you remember Mary? Yep. If if my props had arrived, I would have a little something for Mary. That's okay. We're going to remember that the Christmas story is about lots of different people. The Christmas story is for Australians. All right? The Christmas story is for people who live in Australia. All right? The Christmas story is for people who like to go to St. Patrick's Day's parties and dress up as a leprechaun. Okay? Christmas, the Christmas story is for people who like to study bugs. Alright, the Christmas story is for all sorts of different people. The Christmas story is for people who've done a lot of bad things in the world, like pirates. The Christmas story is for people who like to have showers and baths. Okay. The Christmas story is one for all the different people of the world. And we know that because the Christmas story involves a lot of different people. The Christmas story involves angels. The Christmas story is for angels. Do you remember what the angels said and did in the story? Fantastic. 
The angels came and said, good news, a king has been born, a saviour. Right? The Christmas story made the angels praise God and rejoice in what he'd done. The angels also came to a lady called Mary, didn't they? Remember Mary? And they told Mary that she was going to have a baby boy. That's right. And his name would be Jesus. That's right. The Christmas story is for the angels and for Mary. The Christmas story was for some guys standing out in a paddock looking after the sheep. Who were they? Yeah, the shepherds. That's right. The Christmas story was for the shepherds, the dirty, smelly ones that nobody liked. They were on the outside of the town because nobody liked to have them inside the town very much. All right, the Christmas story was for them too. They weren't rich. They weren't smart. They didn't look very important in the world's eyes. But God sent angels to say that this story was for them too. See, the Christmas story is for everyone. The Christmas story is even for wise men from across the other side of the world, people who weren't even a part of God's chosen people. Do you remember who travelled a really long way following the star? Hannah? The wise men. They weren't part of God's chosen family, but God put a star in the sky to show them that Jesus came for them too. See, the Christmas story is not just for the poor, weak, miserable people. It's not just for the important kings and rich people of the world. It's not just for angels. The Christmas story isn't just for people who like to go to St. Patrick's Day parties. The Christmas story is for everyone and especially for people who've done the wrong thing. Not just for pirates, but for people like you and me. Because Jesus, girls, are you listening? When Jesus came, he came as a tiny baby and he grew up and he lived a perfect life and he never did the wrong thing. And so he didn't deserve to face God's anger. He didn't deserve to die on the cross. But he did it so that he could take the place of bad people like me, like you, like all the grown-ups here so that those people don't need to face God's anger anymore for doing the wrong thing. Christmas is a story for everyone. And the best bit is that it's a true story. It's a true story that you guys can be forgiven of your sins because Jesus was born as a baby and he died on the cross for you.
Let's say a prayer and thank God for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus as a tiny baby, that he was born in a manger, that his story was announced by the angels to the shepherds, that wise men from far away came to visit. Thank you that this story is for everyone so that we can be forgiven for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray as we come to think more about Christmas and what Jesus has come to do. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we are so thankful for the coming of Jesus. We rejoice that you have sent him. We rejoice that in him we can know life. And so we pray now that as we look more at your word, as we consider what Jesus came to do, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, giving us great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's always been a divide between the haves and the have-nots. And this divide is often felt most painfully by the have-nots at Christmas. We might think at the most extreme of the, the family living in their car or in a tent because the rental prices have become so extreme. But there are plenty of people scraping by as rent costs and food costs and petrol costs and power costs all soar. And for many of them, all they want for Christmas is the ability to buy their child a present. But that's beyond them this year. Compare that to the haves. They have all the money they'll ever need. And if it, and it falls freely from their hands, from, flows through their fingers as they buy their loved ones all the lavish gifts, jewellery, trips, cars. But regardless of whether we have or have nots, we all thirst for something. Some feel utterly unable to quench that thirst themselves, while others try to drink from everything around them. But while those things might satisfy for a time, they're left feeling dry. Like a sailor lost at sea, desperately thirsty and trying the salt water around them. This Christmas, Jesus calls us to find our deepest longing fulfilled. To quench the thirst in us, which won't go away, whatever we try to satisfy it with. And that's one reason we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to quench our thirst. There's two points we'll look at this, in this morning of joy and wonder. The first point is called, We Thirst. If you have your Bibles open, have a look at John 7, verse 37. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now that might sound like a strange thing to say, but it fits perfectly with what was going on around him. 
This happens during the Feast of Tabernacles, the, the happiest of all of the Jewish festivals. And on the last day of the feast, there was this special ceremony. A flagon of water was carried from the Pool of Siloam back to the temple in this large procession. A, a trumpet blast uh, happened three times. The priests sang psalms and the people yelled, Give thanks to the Lord because of the harvest. And the priest poured out the water in front of the altar along with some wine. So with that moment fresh in their minds, Jesus starts talking about people being thirsty and rivers of living water in verse 38. And the thing is, we all thirst. We're all desperate for something and trying to satisfy that thirst with whatever we can get our hands on. I have never enjoyed beer. Not for any theological reason, just I've never enjoyed the taste. I've had three main experiences drinking beer. The first was when I was a teenager. I thought my dad had a glass of Coke sitting in front of him. And so trying to be cheeky, I took it and I had a big mouthful. To my horror, it was some of my grandfather's homebrew. It was horrible, at least to me. The second time I tried a beer, it was just after I'd finished year 12, but again, I didn't like it. I couldn't finish the glass. But there was a moment while I was at university. I came home from a time with friends watching a game of rugby, of all things, and I'd been given a beer to take home. I mustn't have had much to drink that night because I was extremely thirsty, desperate for a drink, and so when I got home, rather than get up off the couch to get a glass of water, I opened the beer bottle and I had a long drink. And would you believe it? It was good. I thought, oh, maybe I'm starting to enjoy beer. Maybe I'm growing up a bit. Maybe this brand of beer is the stuff that I like. But as I kept drinking, that old feeling of dislike rose up in me. Beer had fooled me for a moment because I'd been so desperate for something, anything to take the thirst away. But the more I had of it, the worse it became. We know what it's like to thirst physically. And the relief experience when that thirst is finally satisfied. But we all get thirsty again. Jesus grabs onto that experience and he calls out to all of us, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is why Jesus came. Why we celebrate every year. Because we thirst and Jesus came to quench our thirst. We thirst for meaning and purpose. We want our lives to count for something. We long for love and acceptance, for success and the feeling that we have achieved something. And we try to quench that thirst with all the wrong things. Some of them are good things, but they can't quench our deepest thirst, the desires of our heart. 
We try to quench our thirst in relationships. We put all our hope in that next romantic relationship, desperate for that person to fill the ache that we feel. We want our children to succeed because if they don't, then we feel like failures. We chase after money and success and power in our career because we think then our hopes, then our dreams will be fulfilled. We chase after sex and drugs, desperate for a feeling of satisfaction, of pleasure, of peace. But like my beer that night, even if it provides a moment of pleasure, they never really satisfy. Jesus calls to the people around him that if they thirst, they should come to him. He calls out because we all thirst. And we all try to find satisfaction in something. But this Christmas, remember that Jesus came to quench our thirst. We thirst, but in our second point, we see Jesus satisfies. Look again at verses 37 to 38. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Something that's worth noticing is how open this invitation is. If anyone thirsts, whoever believes in me, Jesus welcomes everyone who longs for meaning, for hope, for purpose. He welcomes everyone who feels the depths of their need for a saviour who know they've rebelled against God and they can't do anything to rescue themselves. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are those who know they're sinful, who know they have failed utterly to live the way God has called them to. Blessed are those who know that and who mourn that sin, that rebellion, that foolish chasing after selfish pleasures instead of chasing after him. You're blessed because in mourning that, in turning to Jesus for forgiveness, you are welcomed by the God that you had previously ignored and rejected. When you mourn that sin and come to Jesus to quench your thirst, you are made God's child and part of his glorious kingdom. But the question is, when you thirst, when you feel that desperate need and you know you're far from who you should be, what do you do about it? Christians should know better. Because we've already come to Jesus to have our thirst quenched. But very often we fall into the same trap as those around us. Trying to quench our own thirst. Trying to solve our own problem. We try to earn, receive forgiveness through Jesus' cross. We imagine that we can earn it by trying harder not to sin. 
Or sometimes we think we earn forgiveness by feeling really bad for our sin. Or we we recommit ourselves to various religious practices, to prayer and Bible reading, family devotions, church attendance. And all of those things are good. But they're not what quenches our thirst. They're like cordial, which is meant to give flavour to water. But on their own, without the water which actually quenches our thirst, they leave you worse off than you were before. Instead of being humbled by the grace and the kindness of God, we're filled with pride, thinking that we can do it ourselves. We can solve our own problems, quench our own thirst. But Jesus says we're to come to him and drink. He's the one who gives us what we need. And we have that image of the water explained in verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not, uh, was not yet glorified. Now, there's plenty we could explore in that verse, but this Christmas, all we need to remember is that Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit. He pours out the Holy Spirit on all of those who come to him, those who believe in him. By his Spirit, he cleanses us. He gives us a new heart, new desires to love and serve him. When we come to Jesus, we're changed. Not that all of a sudden life is wonderful. Not that there aren't struggles. Actually, when we come to Jesus, life gets harder in some ways, in a lot of ways. We follow the one who lived the perfect life but was hated by the rulers of the world. Despised, rejected, put to death. And he warns us that the servant is not greater than his master. In following Jesus and and finding our thirst quenched by him, we don't always feel amazing. If you're a Christian, you know that already. But we also know that in our hardships, there is meaning and there is purpose. When we feel worthless, we know that those things are lying to us. Those feelings are lying to us because Jesus loves us and he died for us. And even more, he gave us his spirit so that we would have power to live for him. Jesus came to quench our thirst. Whether you're thirsty for meaning and purpose, hope, forgiveness, a sense that you're valuable, that's what Jesus came to satisfy. Don't turn to other things. Don't search for meaning in relationships or in your kids' achievements or in being popular. Don't find your worth in your pay slip. Don't grasp for peace from another plate of food or another drink of alcohol. Find your thirst for all of those longings in Jesus who was born all those years ago to suffer and die in our place 
and rise as Lord of all and pour out the spirit of the living God into our hearts. This is what he offers us this Christmas. Don't drink from the salt water all around, which will only make your thirst more desperate. Believe in him, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.